nothing you have ever experienced can prepare you for the unbridled carnage you're about to witness. Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines. A lot, a lot. You're excited? Feel these nipples. Are you sure this is legal? I don't know. It's fun, though, isn't it? Gangsters, what's up, guys? That escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. But to be the man, you gotta beat the man. Those goofy bastards are just about the best thing I've got going in this crazy world. Woo! I'm the man. Woo! You better lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Good evening, Kentuckiana. This is the Triple Threat Talk. We are being joined right now by Gary Lockard and Jimmy Biggers. Jimmy, how you doing today? Doing just fine, man. How are you on this fantastic uh, Wednesday? It, it, it is a fantastic I'm a little Wednesday. confused. I, I normally don't work my other job on a Wednesday, so <laughs> it kind of threw me off for a second. So I was forgetting what day of the week it was. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it, it was. It's Wednesday. It's Hump Day. Mike, 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 Mike. That's, that's right. It is Wednesday. Uh, what a ball game that was a while ago. <laughs> by the way, that was crazy. 11, 11 nil. I know. Eleven nil. Sheesh. That wasn't a ball game. That was, was a beating. A, that right. Was a beating. <laughs> crazy. Nice. But yeah, congratulations to Floyd County. Moving mm-hmm. on. Absolutely moving beating on. Jeff GRC. Yeah. So moving on to the two out of three. Uh, best of two out of three. To beginning tomorrow, actually, they don't get, they don't they get don't much get rest. Break, yeah. No rest for the wicked for those. Good thing like little kids can like run all day. They're they're all over. Like in my neighborhood, mm-hmm. they're all over, and the, like they play from like nine a.m. to like midnight. I believe it's it. Insane. I believe it. I had that a lot of energy too when I was a kid. Yeah, I think I did too. Yeah. I think I had enough energy to get out, get on the bed, and then uh, get up and start playing video games. There you go. I think that was my energy. We got a big show tonight. We do. We got a huge show. Uh, uh, three guests in three, one night. Three guests in one night. We've got uh, we've got the man, the myth, the legend. Later on tonight, we got John Ashton, and we're going to be joined by Brian Cannon uh, because uh, the wrestling boards blew up earlier with some news. And you know, it's summer, so it's a little slow. So right. we, can, we can talk a little professional wrestling, especially when it comes to the king of promotions right here in town. Ohio Valley Wrestling. So we're going to be talking a little OVW action later on. And then we got we got some other guy. I, I mean, you guys might have heard of him, Jimmy. Yeah, we got uh, NASCAR superstar Regan Smith, driver. What? Yeah, absolutely. A local, a local radio show has huge national guests? What? Driver of the number seven Great Clip Chevrolet for Dale Earnhardt Jr. Motorsports will be dropping by Actually, very shortly. Here in the next few minutes. Uh, to talk about uh, this weekend at Kentucky Speedway, the big weekend up at Kentucky Speedway. Kicking off what was supposed to be today with some testing, but uh, Mother Nature did not cooperate. She's been a pesky little devil these she last week. I mean, Daytona started at 2 a.m., I think. No, it wasn't quite that late, but it felt like it. And Too now bad they weren't in Vegas. I know, right? <laughs> the only good thing would have been is if you lived out in California, you got a primetime race. Yeah, you got a primetime race. You know, so. It is what it is. Exactly. Absolutely. So uh, he'll be stopping by here in a little bit to talk a little bit about the Kentucky Speedway weekend, and we'll recap, you know, how he's been doing so far this season. So that'd be good. We'll also be talking a little World Cup. Uh, the women pulled it off, and. Uh, yeah, they did. That was a beating too. That was that was that was a huge beating. Like 3-0, I mean 4-0 in the first 16 minutes with the hat trick by Carly Lloyd. 
I mean, that that just doesn't happen. I mean, it was that's, 1945 all over it's, again. It's, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's that has never happened. That is a fact. Uh, the quickest the quickest woman to a hat trick in US it was soccer nuts. history. And it was basically I, Carly Lloyd 3, Japan yeah. nothing there for a while. I, it was. It really was. It was uh goals uh uh <laughs> Three, five, and sixteen minutes by Carly Lloyd. Uh, um, um, Lauren Holiday at the fourteen-minute mark got one in, and Tobin Heath at fifty-four minutes got one in. And then we did get an own goal uh, that was by Julie Johnston. She helped out Japan a little bit. Hey, but somebody you had know to. what? <laughs> so we were feeling bad for him. Okay, we were. We, we felt like giving him one. You know that reminded me of a, a time when uh, my cousin played for the University of Louisville ice hockey team. Mm-hmm. And they were playing Eastern Kentucky. Okay. And Eastern Kentucky only brought like seven skaters. So if you can imagine bringing seven skaters for a, a college hockey game, wasn't like that bright of a play each play? Uh, just about. So basically, <laughs> what they did, like four guys from U of L volunteered to wear EKU jerseys for the night. It was rather hilarious. It was almost like a glorified exhibition slash scrimmage game. You know. Couldn't even field the team. No, they couldn't even field the full team. It was crazy. That's great. Absolutely. Hey, yeah. let's go. Let's go play hockey. Yeah, that's right. Can we With, pick four out of the audience? Exactly. Exactly. Well, you know what it was? They were just getting ahead of the four on four rules. They were years ahead, miles ahead. <laughs> miles ahead. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yeah, uh, the U.S. become the first women's team to win three World Cups from any country. So that's pretty sweet. Uh, even before the hat trick. You know, like I remember some guy resembling a voice similar to myself saying that Carly Lloyd was going to be uh, the woman of the tournament. And, uh, you know, it turns out she did win the golden ball. That's what they call it. So she did win the golden ball. All in all, just another quick stat here interesting stat throughout the whole tournament 146 goals scored. That's pretty crazy. That I mean, that's, that's some high scoring soccer that's, because you normally in soccer, uh, a high scoring affair is like two to one. Maybe three to one, three to two, maybe. There were a couple ten nothing but games though. There was some pretty outlandish scores. I you mean, talk outlandish. Yesterday, Micronesia got beat forty nine nil. What? Really? Yeah. In soccer. In soccer. Forty nine nothing. Forty nine nil. Apparently, the goaltender did not show. The goalkeeper did not. Show Clearly, that. it was an empty net the whole game. <laughs> had to it be. Had to be. I had mean, to be. I don't know the specifics. Were they playing for the extra man? I, I, I mean, is so. it like hockey? They wanted the extra <laughs> defender. But 49 nil. Wow. I mean, at that point, you shouldn't even try, but then it turns out they weren't. So. Well, so there, there was a question that was uh, posed, uh, and I knew you would be one to ask because the question of it was, was should the United States women get paid more than the United States men? I, I don't think they should be paid more. I do think they should be paid about the same. Um, you've got... The, they took home two mil for winning this thing. The men, the winners of the men's World Cup, got eight. So you know, and they're playing on an artificial turf in this. So field temperatures were recorded to 120 degrees. Now keep in mind, the men were scheduled to play the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. So and those temperatures were going to be about the same. So they moved them back. So the women were putting up with harsher temperatures than what the men are going to have to put up with because of the artificial turf in Canada that now, they were playing. Wasn't the championship game indoors? 
I mean, it's still artificial turf. Okay. And it still gets pretty hot down there. I mean, okay. it, it, it's just like being on a NASCAR track. You know, you start getting all that, you start getting the atmosphere kicked up, all the heat kicked up. There's still an enormous amount of heat generated. True. And that's, you know, through most games. Sure, the final game was played indoors, but the enti- majority of the time they're putting up with 120, 120 plus degrees field temperature. So, I mean, they worked every bit as hard as the men, uh, as the men who, by the way, the men did beat Honduras. Two to one on two Clint Dempsey headers uh, yesterday in the Gold Cup. So, but I mean, but Good yeah, I, I I honestly think that the women should be paid just as much because you know their tournament didn't move. You know they're in Canada. No. You don't think heat when it comes to Canada? No, I think with, icebergs and polar bears. Yeah, exactly. But you also got to consider 120 degree field temp. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, we're gonna take a quick break here, uh, and when we come back from break. We will have NASCAR superstar Regan Smith join us. So stay tuned right here. Triple Threat Talk, 1450 The Sports Buzz, WXVW. We'll be right back. Welcome back here on Triple Threat Talk, 1450, the Sports Buzz, WXVW. A little life in the fast lane, Doc. I like it. Rocking like and so rolling. So you let it play a little bit longer. I know. I know. I was enjoying it. I was just like over here just getting down, listening to it in the headphones, just like, yeah. TK keeps on pointing at you, and I'm like, bring us in. Uh, so we should be joined by uh, NASCAR star Regan Smith here momentarily. So before he hops on board, Doc. Uh, I kind of brought it up a little bit in the first segment. Uh, the big news in NASCAR this week, uh, obviously, it wasn't the fact that Dale Earnhardt Jr. won at Daytona. That wasn't actually the big news this week. The big news, in fact, was the crash that took place as they crossed the checker flag, the start-finish line, as Austin Dillon's car went sailing into the catch fence, uh, utterly obliterating the catch fence uh, as he came back down on the track he was then struck by Brad Keselowski. Uh, he was upside down and on his roof. And the only thing left of the car was basically the driver compartment. The engine was laying in the infield. There was no rear of the car. It was absolutely destroyed. And uh, crew members from Casey Mears, Dale Jr., and uh, Casey Kane all ran over. And they quickly gave a, a quick thumbs up, but uh, wow, very scary stuff there. And uh, uh, it was just crazy, and they, they kept playing the wreck over and over, and I'm just like, oh my gosh. You know, I thought I thought the worst immediately. You know, when you see stuff like that, you think the total worst. And it was just, it was a, it was a scary, scary scene. And it was awesome to see that he walked out basically unscathed, uh, you know, basically... He just had some sore in his tailbone, said his tailbone hurt him pretty good. Uh, And that was really about it, you know. So, and I was on a teleconference with him yesterday morning, 
and he was telling us how he basically just gripped the real wheel as tight as he could and was just kind of holding on and like you know it's in the good lord's hands now you know he said he kind of knew where he was at but he wasn't sure where he was at in a way he wasn't sure if maybe he was landing on a car if you know where the cars were exactly and then to see the impact of the catch fence i mean 190 miles an hour and the car just stopped abrupt stop absolutely crazy and you know that catch fence too you know there there's several angles of this on on youtube and all that from amateur video and that catch fence absolutely got you got obliterated i mean there's no other way to put it i mean you had a 190 mile an hour car just like go from zero or go from how 190 to zero in nothing flat, you know, and there's going to be some mass catastrophe right there. I tell you what, though, they better be lucky that that fence did hold up because several you're looking at several hundred people could have been hurt, if not worse from that from that crash. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's pretty evident that the catch fence definitely did its job of being a catch fence. Yes. Although the fencing part of it was gone, yeah. the cables were still intact. Uh, the cable that, I guess, would hold the car down and to kind of kick it back onto the track. And the only thing that made it into the spectator area was some shards of debris. And unfortunately, a couple people were hit with these shards of debris. Now, luckily, it was only minor injuries. Nobody was seriously hurt. I remember a couple years ago, in an Xfinity series crash when Kyle Larson went up into the fence and the actual engine ended up in in the stands and you know that was a that was a very serious situation there luckily nobody got killed there either uh but this was another case of just you know to me the the safety that these cars have seen over the years and the improvements i mean we're talking you know, we talked last week on the show how how the things used to be in the 60s and 70s, and then you, you, you hearken up to now, you fast forward to now. It's amazing to think all the impact that Austin went through and the shredding of the front end and the rear end, basically upside down and nothing but a, the compartment, and he's perfectly safe and sound and basically injury-free is, is a testament to just how wonderful uh, the safety of NASCAR and how, how the, the – you know, things have evolved and developed over the years. It's just outstanding. Yeah, and, you know, we talked about it a little bit last week how when I'd posed the question to you about about their reaction to safety issues and, and the like. And, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, people these days, you know, we're in a society where you have knee-jerk reactions. Well, when you're dealing with, when you're dealing with 190-mile-an-hour cars going around a track repeatedly with, spectators literally just a couple feet away you know it it has to be a knee-jerk reaction in nascar if there's a problem you got to fix it and this has clearly been a masterfully engineered safety mechanism to have that catch fence show up i mean that is that is that is pretty good technology that, that is fantastic technology to to have that kind of a to have that kind of a fail safe right there especially the all the spectators kind of looking in absolutely i mean and it, it it was it was when you watch it and you know there was a video out on youtube i don't remember the gentleman's name but he actually posted a video an instagram type video where he was in the very front row 
and the point of impact was right there and and you see saw just how close uh it came you know to hitting the fan uh the fans I should say and the explosion and it was just crazy and you know Austin Austin getting out and you know he said a lot of people was you know glad he was okay his brother was the most hard hit by it he said his brother when he talked to his brother after the fact he hadn't even watched the video or the replay yet. He wasn't going to, and then he saw how emotional his brother was, and he thought, well, I better watch the video. And so he did, in turn, watch the video, and you know, he saw the, the accident and saw the scene. And, of course, uh, anytime you see a crash like that, uh, it, it makes your heart stop. It makes you wonder, you know, is, is everybody okay? It kind of... It kind of uh, you know, worries you. And one other thing too, uh, you know, when you're looking at it is after, after the wreck was over and all those crew members came up to the car, uh, you know, that was awesome. You know, Dale Jr. had just won the race and Dale Jr.'s crew wasn't worried about the fact that Dale Jr. had just won the Coke 0400. They were worried about Austin Dillon. Right. And I, I think that's a testament to the sport, to the competitorship, and, you know, NASCAR come out and revoked these guys' hard cards until they had a talking to. Uh, they didn't permanently revoke them, so let's be clear of that. They basically just took their hard cards away because they wanted to talk to them. Uh, they said that they kind of hindered uh, the the safety workers from getting to the car. Uh, and I can see NASCAR's point on this. I understand where they're coming from. You know, you got safety workers who are trained professionals. They know what they're doing. That's what they're paid to do. But at the same time, it's human nature to want to go out there and help. Absolutely, yeah. and and I and I I commend those guys for doing that. And I I think it was awesome that they did that and that they, you know, that's what the the act of kindness there was over the top. Waiting for Regan Smith to call in here on Triple Threat Talk. We were talking a little bit of NASCAR. Um, what one of the things that was kind of funny. <laughs> I mean, a situation like that is never, is never truly funny. But one of the things that somebody did ma- did manage to find some humor in after, after the accident had happened, and you know we knew Austin Dillon was okay and everything was fine. One of the cool one of the cool videos out there was a play by play of the wreck on YouTube, and there was a it went like play by play, and then it was circling different things like car is here and it circled it and then the the video panned over and it said this is your engine block and like this is your engine block out of your car and i was just like this is that you know somebody adding a little bit of light humor to the situation i can respect that because it was done tastefully you know they weren't making fun of austin dillon or anything like that but it was i i thought it was i thought it was a neat kind of way to to play a little bit of humor off tastefully and not really insult anybody, especially given the situation. And especially if Austin, since Austin Dillon was okay. Now, if Austin Dillon were not okay, it would have been an entirely different situation. But I I was, I was like, Oh, Hey, this guy's kind of funny. Kind of putting a, putting a little light spin moment on a, on a, on a pretty, pretty tough moment there. But I, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting to say the least. Absolutely, and uh, as as we alluded to in the beginning, before we were talking about the wreck with Austin Dillon, uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. did win uh, the race. It was mired by 
Uh, lots of rain. Oh, gosh. So uh, much so that they didn't get off to what? like It was close to midnight before they got, even got the race even started. It was insane. Uh, I was beginning to wonder if uh, we were uh, going to be talking about a Monday race here because uh, that happened last year with uh, Eric Almirola and uh, the race being moved to Monday. But I guess with the tight schedule with Kentucky Speedway with the test today and then all three days starting tomorrow, they wanted to try to get it in. But like you said, I think it was like 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. when the race was going yeah. off, uh, which is which is crazy. And, uh, you know, so Dale Jr. wins his second win of the year. Uh, you know, both wins coming on restrictor plates. He won earlier this year at Talladega. And, of course, you know, NASCAR makes its way to Kentucky Speedway. This weekend, the Camping World Truck Series race is tomorrow night. Uh, so check that out. And then if the Xfinity Series will be racing on Friday. And then the Quaker State 400, the main event of the evening or the weekend, uh, will be on Saturday. Who's winning? Uh, it's going to be tough to say because, you know, they got that new rules package in place. And... Uh, you don't really know because the testing they were supposed to have today was rained out. Again, rain affecting NASCAR. It's two weekends in a row. Shocking. I know it's been it's been a lot of it's been a lot of rain delays and rain problems this year. They've had a lot of battles with Mother Nature. Mother Nature has not been too kind. Uh, they are scheduled to get a two-hour practice in tomorrow, weather permitting, of course. Um, so. I can't really say because this is going to be a totally new package that they're developing. This is going to be a new rules uh, package that they haven't seen or used yet. So it's going to be totally different uh, than anything like they've seen. So it'll basically come down to which team gets it right the fastest. Because there's going to be a team out there that gets it right. There's going to be a team out there that, uh, you know, figures it out over one or the other. Usually when you think of the case like that, you want to go with one of the big guy, name guys like an Hendrick driver or Stuart Haas or Joe Gibbs Racing or anybody of that nature. So it'll be interesting to see who uh, comes out on top. I would have to say if you went by past history of the race, it would either be Brad Keselowski That's or... Or Kyle Busch. I'm going Keselowski, even though I'm a big Kyle Busch fan. I'm going with Keselowski just because, you know, on that rough of a track, that's mm-hmm. going to be hard on his leg, on, on Bush's leg, even though he's back racing. It, it's going to be pretty hard on his leg well, uh, the, to have those bumps. The The local commercial that's been airing here has been quite hilarious. It's been Joey Logano. Uh, he's like, you want to race at Kentucky? And they got him like working a jackhammer <laughs> and then laying in one of those like beds that like shake and vibrate when you put a quarter in the slot. And they got him doing all this like going down, uh, uh, going down a, like a gravel road in a shopping cart, all these funny, crazy things. So it, it's going to be interesting for sure. But on that, like I said, I, I would have to go with a guy that's won there before, either like a Kyle Busch or a Brad Keselowski or maybe even uh, a Matt Kenseth. If Kyle Busch wins this race, though, he is a trooper. I will say that because the, all those bumps on that leg, that's not going to feel good at all, at all. So I'm going to go with Brad Keselowski because both of those two, as you know, you know, I, when I do pay attention to NASCAR, I usually, I usually pull for those drivers. So. He – well – and saying that, though, Kyle actually won 
on a track that's tougher than Kentucky because he won at a road course. Well, it's a road and, course, and, and, and it's more de- physically demanding because you constantly have to shift. Right. So you have to use both your feet, both your legs. But is it bumpier? You know, they no, call they call Kentucky the bumpier. Absolutely, the I agree track. with you. Yeah. But in saying that, uh, it's a little rougher because of using both legs, and it's a little bit more harder and more of a strain. So we're going to take a quick break here. We're going to try to still connect with Regan Smith. We we know we got to move on from NASCAR, but I'm sure everyone out there understands this is a huge superstar coming on. So we're going to try to connect with uh, with Regan Smith. Uh, and we'll be back after the break here on Triple Threat Talk. Welcome back to Triple Threat Talk here on 1450 AM, the Sports Buzz, WXVW. We're still waiting to get a hold of Regan Smith. He is confirmed to be on the show this evening. We're trying to get a hold of him. You know how these things are. A lot of times uh, athletes are a little bit a little bit late. They've got a lot on their plate with other media and whatnot. We're just thankful that he thought enough of us to be on the show. So we're going to move on just for a little bit here. Uh, we're going to go into Florida State. Florida State once again in the headlines, not for the good reasons, of course. Jimbo Fisher down there, however, is doing the right thing right now, suspending DeAndre Johnson, actually kicking him off, not just suspending him, a uh, 19-year-old DeAndre Johnson off the team. He got kicked off the Florida State team, and he's a freshman. So he's kicked off the team after an altercation with a woman who's being now identified as Abigail Husty. The incident took place at Yanni's in Tallahassee, Florida, which is a nightclub. The witnesses did report maybe hearing a racial slur. Uh, However, there's video of this whole altercation out there. You see Husky kind of distancing herself by putting her arm on his arms, and he appears to have his arms on her wrist. Um, After that, she kind of she kind of maybe throws like a little like a little kind of light punch. I guess is the best way to put it. And he just winds up and just knocks the living heck out of her. I mean, it's just uncalled for. Because, uh, you know, yeah, there's people out there that are actually saying he should not be kicked from the team and that he was just he was just kind of putting putting her, quote-unquote, and this is not me saying this. This is several other people. Putting her in her place. Now, in this day and age, that's just not acceptable because student, especially in our climate, you know, student – Student athletes, especially in college, like it or not, for better or worse, are looked at as role models. And, you know, they're looked at as leaders. And that is not leading by example because you do not, you don't just cold cock a woman. I mean, he hits her with such force that things fly off of the bar. I mean, that's not up for debate. That's on the video. And he he just knocks the living hell out of her. And it is just ridiculous. So, you know, I guess the question that I'm posing, I'm going to bring TK in because he's kind of been silent over there working with us a little bit. We'll bring TK over here. Do you, do you think he should be thrown off the team? I mean, I think it's a little bit of an overstate. I, I think I think it's the right statement, but apparently there are a select few that are disagreeing, saying that, you know, wait a minute, he this woman put herself in, like, this is not me saying this, the, she put herself in a man situation, so and it, what happened to her deserved to happen. No, he didn't deserve to happen. He didn't. He should have known better. And he's he's an athlete that's gonna has a privilege to play for college basketball, college football, excuse me, 
at Florida State, and that privilege has been taken away, rightfully so, because you should not. I mean, you, there's no excuse to just co-cock a woman. There's no excuse to co- to punch her like she's a man. I it, did she probably provoke him by saying something? More than likely, you know. Did she did she try to throw a punch at him? The video says so. But does that still any reason to punch him? I mean, if a kid comes up to you and starts telling you you're big and ugly and you smell funny and tries to punch in your leg, do you cold cock him? No, you don't because you're an adult, you're a grown up, and you would think at least be a reasonable enough, intelligent man or woman even to not hit a kid. And you're, as a man, you should be intelligent enough not to hit a girl, a woman, especially in front of a bar where you, in front of, I mean, there's no excuse to the location, but you still still didn't do it. And the punishment starts the crime. He's gone. He's had been troubled before, so it was a, it, whether it was a first strike or second. Nonetheless, his time at Florida State's over, and I'm sure he'll land somewhere else. But if you're Florida State, you you need to do this for two reasons. One, it just does not look good for Florida State, especially in the still the the coattails of the Ray Rice incidents that just happened just a year ago. And second, you're Florida State. He's not going to play this year. He's not going to probably play next year with a recruit coming a recruiting class coming in that includes. A five-star, one of the top quarterbacks in the class. So more than likely, he was going to probably be a second stringer and dwelling on the bench for the remainder of his career. More than likely, at Florida State. So if that's the case, no reason to take uh, a, a you know pun intended black eye over uh, a controversial decision not to kick him off the team when you're doing it involving a player that's not even going to play anyway. It, you know, you you have, you're absolutely right. For a second, I thought I was going to be. I thought I was crazy because I mean. It was a large majority of people. There was a, a posting put on this on on Facebook on the on the Facebook boards, and people were actually saying how I mean there were several people, not just one or two, but several saying he shouldn't be kicked off the team and that she deserved it. Well, people are idiots. That's and, why. But you know that that raises a lot of societal questions too. Like you know, it's a scary situation when people are saying that it's okay to cold cock a woman like that, and you know, like the punch that she threw. Like I could, I'm a. You know, I'm a big guy. I I could have I could have taken that punch. You know, he's a lot littler than me. Is what I'm saying. Like, I mean, it, it's insanity. Like how how I think her her movement was just like to push him away. I I think it was almost like push him away. Maybe kind of a semi punch. Maybe. But uh, regardless, we want to get your thoughts in on this uh, while we're waiting uh, while we're waiting for Regan Smith hopefully to calling in. 384-1450 is the is the buzz line here. Oxmore Dodge and Ram. Uh we wanna we wanna get you guys in on this. Should he have uh should he be kicked off the team? Are Trevor and I crazy? Uh, do you agree with these people on Facebook saying that basically uh he should not have been kicked off the team? And also once again tonight, we've got $25 Kroger gift card. We've got several BW3 snack snack size wings. So you call in, we're gonna make it worth your while. You're gonna you're gonna be you're gonna be treating yourself to either a shopping spree or a, or a snack pack uh, from Buffalo Wild Wings. So once again, that number is three eight four fourteen fifty. You know the funny thing about this is the his family kind of disagrees, even though there's a, a seemingly a large number of people out there. His family is disagreeing or is agreeing with you know you and I, Trevor. You know so much so that you know his family is thinking. That there's some wrongdoing and the police, because he's being charged with battery. There's no question about that. He's being charged with battery, and rightfully so. And he's also being forced to participate in community service as well as faith-based programs. So, you know, you want to think hopefully it's a rehabbing situation, but you said as you said, and right and you know, once again, nail on the head, Trevor, as you usually do, 
uh, nail on the head in, in the climate that we're looking at with Ray Rice and, you know, Greg Hardy and Ray McDonald, you know, several of these people out there that have been um, that have been charged or, you know, at least looked at for for battery and domestic violence. This is a this is a hot button issue right now. And it it very much garners some attention and it, it garners, I think, a lot more attention to the fact that so many people are saying that he should have that he deserved to be kicked off the team. And like I said, that was to me, I thought there was going to be a vast minority there. But no, I mean, it's still the minority, but it's a larger minority than what you would think. People thinking that he should stay on the team and that he was just putting this woman in her place. And I'm just I was blown away by that. But, you know, be that as it may. That is a that is a hot button topic, and we want to get your words on it. Three eight four fourteen fifty here on the buzz line. <clears throat> Excuse me, but it, you know Florida State though has been in some hot water anyways lately because you know the whole thing going on with Jameis Winston, the the theatrics put on by Jameis Winston last year, you know with the crab legs and then with the obscenities. Florida State is making the news last year, all of last year for all the wrong reasons, and I don't think, I, I think Jimbo Fisher, how much of this do you think Jimbo Fisher actually believes this guy should be kicked off the team, or how much of this do you think he is actually, you know, trying to save face a little bit? Do you think do you think that this is maybe Jimbo Fisher saying, you know what, I let Jameis Winston get away with a lot more than what I should have. Maybe I need to hold this, because there are some people saying, there's also the other part of people saying that, Maybe uh, maybe DeAndre Johnson should have been suspended for a few games instead of kicked off the team. He's on video. That's the, right. the key. I mean, you can you can say saying for Jameis Winston's the whole crab incident was was minor. The the cursing uh, the, the the cursing of words or saying whatever the comments the, the, the phrases he made were minor. I mean, obviously the sexual harassment, the the, uh, the the rape charges were were very major and probably worth getting kicked team, but he obviously wasn't actually charged with it, so they had a scapegoat in terms of way to get around, not kicking off their star quarterback. But you're on videotape. I mean, this was allegations with no video. You could you could play that you could Florida State could play that card and say, Oh, well he's guilty to proven you know until he's proven guilty and uh, we don't know, it's just he said she said and there's 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 no actual video. We don't know who to believe. He says he didn't do it, so we believe him. Of course he's our player. But it's on video, so there's no there's they have no way about it. There's no ifs, ands and buts. In a situation of, and when it's one of the more hot topics next to being a, having a flag, there's not, there's you can't be caught on video punching a woman, and, and you shouldn't be <laughs> at any point in time no. in the era. But even especially now, you're on video, you're done for. Goodbye. I mean, he'll land somewhere else. It's not like he's going to be blackballed from all pro college or excuse me, all college football. He will land somewhere else, more likely smaller school, maybe a Division One school, more likely not a BCS school. But likely will land somewhere in a Division One program and get another chance. And whether he he does well with that chance or he does what a lot of athletes who sometimes are just boneheaded and just continue to make mistakes will, and you know he will be out of college football. He'll it, be out of football in general. Here's the other. Here's the other thing. The the violation that nobody is talking about here. Uh, you know he's 19 years old. What's he doing at a nightclub? I think that might be. That might be one of the bigger questions to ask. It could be an eighteen and overnight it, club. It, it could be, but they, it, they make you wear bracelets if you buy if to buy alcohol. It, it and you know it could be, especially in Florida. Those things are they they're on trees everywhere. You know you've got a lot of eighteen and overnight clubs out there, but there was definitely alcohol being served at that bar, and I didn't see a bracelet on him. 
but you know that could just be me that could just be the graininess of the video black and white video it's a pretty clear video but that might be something else that they might want to look into is the fact that that's the least of their concerns with yeah the I, think, I think somebody. I think it is I think it is I I believe you're right with that being the least of their concerns but uh you know either way once again Jimbo Fisher uh in a in a spot and you know this time definitely doing the right thing with DeAndre Johnson being kicked off the team. Guys, we're going to cut to a little bit of an early break, get you to the 9 o'clock hour. On the other side, we're going to have John Ashton, the man, the myth, the legend. We're going to talk a little Rory McIlroy, and we're going to talk about Donald Trump and his comments and whether or not he was trying to say the right thing but just said it the wrong way or not. So we're going to get into a little bit a little bit of a discussion on the other side, and uh, we hope you'll join us. And like I said, we are still waiting on word from Regan Smith. These things happen. Uh, we're trying to connect with Regan Smith desperately on the other end. Jimmy, that's where Jimmy's been this segment, trying to work his magic. So we hope that you'll join us on the next hour. Going into the break, Triple Threat Talk, WXVW, 1450 AM, The Sports Buzz. Welcome back here on Triple Threat Talk. Postmaster Jones is Jimmy Biggers along with my colleague Gary Lockard. And we are pleased to be joined at this time by the driver of the number seven Great Clips Chevrolet Camaro for Junior Motorsports, Mr. Regan Smith. Regan, how you doing tonight, bud? I'm doing good. How about you guys? Hey, we're doing fantastic, Regan. Thank you for asking. Uh, Thanks we... for taking time out of your busy schedule. Well, no problem, no problem. We're uh, enjoying the last night at home here before heading uh, heading to Kentucky tomorrow and uh, getting, this, uh, getting this exciting race weekend started. That's right. You're going to be in our neck of the woods tomorrow. <laughs> so uh speaking of Kent- we, we will be there's a, there's a lot of guys that, there's a lot of guys that are there already so i'm uh, i'm behind the times here i gotta hurry up get up there <laughs> put the pedal to the metal get on up here come on <laughs> uh so so speaking of kentucky you got nine starts there uh in the xfinity series you got one top five that coming this last fall where you finish fifth uh your average start there of 15.9 average finish of 23.9 uh, what what has been your struggles since coming here? I know you got one top five finish. What has been the biggest thing? I know this is the roughest track on the circuit. So, what's what's been the biggest struggle for you since uh, since you've been coming to Kentucky? Well, it, you know, Kentucky's changed a lot over the years, and and when I first started going there, I actually had uh, had quite a bit of success. I was in some uh, smaller under underfunded cars originally, and um, went out and had some decent runs. Was able to set fast time in a practice and, and really took a liking to the racetrack. Um, fast forward to, uh, I think it was 2007 and I was there with Gin race and got my first pole in the Xfinity series. And, uh, man, we had a race pretty much dominated. We were, uh, we were extremely quick and, and led the majority of the laps and, uh, ran out of fuel on, uh, on pit road during green flag pit stops. So that kind of ruined our day there. I think we ended up finishing 15th or 16th, uh, you know, a lap down because of the fuel situation. Um, but had a lot of confidence in the track back then and really felt good good about the racetrack. Um, fast forward a couple of years down the road when the cup car started going there, and, and I don't know if it was the, the tire combination that they started bringing there or if it was the changes that were made when the, when the track was bought by, uh, by uh, SMI and, and those folks, but um, something has just not really meshed for me at that racetrack ever since then and, and haven't been able to figure it out. I've got a, a ton of laps on the track when we used to test there all the time and, and really – 
you know, knew how to get around there fast in those conditions, but have, have really struggled to find the balance and in, in the feel that I want in the race to, to really be able to hook it up and go fast. Now, with that said, we made a lot of gains last year. Um, you know, we, we finished, uh, finished fifth, the second race there. So that was good. That was a positive. And, and we made a lot of gains with the mile and a half stuff this year. So I, uh, I've got confidence going in there this weekend. The way my car's been driving on the mile and a half, so got to got to break this Kentucky curse. I'd love I'd love nothing more than to have a Kentucky trophy sitting in my mantle or somewhere in my house or somewhere. Uh, and we're going to work hard to make that happen. So, so in saying that, let me ask you this: How big of a help is it having the boss in the race with you? Is that more of a help, or does that put more pressure on you? I think it puts more pressure on you. You want to beat him. You don't want him to beat you. Yeah, I want bragging rights. That's uh, that's his last. Uh, this is going to be his, his last Xfinity start of the uh, season. He'll have the Hellman's car out there, and I don't want to have to go through an entire you know next ten months or however long it is till he runs another one and have to hear about how he beat me. So uh, I want to I want to go out there and beat him. That's a lot of pressure. But you know, in all seriousness, any anybody that gets in that eighty eight, we've been fortunate to have a lot of good Cup guys in there, and, and their feedbacks uh, you know very valuable um, to the company. And and you take it for what it's worth because those those drivers are are different different drivers and and you know each one of them looks for a different feel out of the race car so that doesn't mean it's going to translate to our seven car exactly every time but uh, you know it gives us tools that we can use and and if there was a change that we wanted to make in practice that we didn't have time to get to we can look and see if those guys did it and if they did we can see what their reaction was and and what it did to their race car and maybe helps answer questions going into the race that we might not have answers to after practice, um, and vice versa. They do the same thing with our cars. You know, all three cars work good together, the 7, the 88, and the 9. Um, the, com- the communication amongst the, the teams has been uh, one of our strong suits as a, as a company, and uh, I think that's because we're all, uh, we're all willing to look at what each other's doing and, and try to you know, figure out how that can make each of us better. Now, Regan, uh, on the flip side of the coin, you're no stranger to Victory Lane. With a win in 2014, multiple wins in 2013, and one in 2012, several top five finishes over your impressive career. Uh, what track do you find really gets along with you? And you know, if, if it, and the second part of the question is, you know, what track gets along with you, and which one is your favorite if they're not the same? Uh, well, for whatever reason, I've, and this is odd because I've always been a guy that likes to run the bottom side of a racetrack, but whenever we go to the tracks that have a top groove, um, it, it just seems like I've, I've got a comfort level running those racetracks. And, and I can't really explain why that is because I, for the longest time, I was not good on the top of a racetrack and I had to, you know, I had to work really hard early on in my cup career and, and, um, you know, some of the places that we went, I really struggled with that. And and I think through having to work hard on that, it really you know adapted my driving style to it. So anywhere like a Darlington, a, a Homestead, a Texas, um, you know any of these tracks where it widens out and you have options. Charlotte, to a certain extent, now gets a little bit wider. That pavement's not quite as old and and not quite as worn as some of the other tracks that we were on the top side of. Um, but any of those places, I really enjoy going to. The road courses have been have been good to me as well. Um, you know, and, and I've got a, a small road racing background and go-karts and things like that. So I, I enjoy the road courses. I don't go to them and, and, you know, look at them and say, oh, crap, we got to go road racing this weekend. I, I go to them and I'm excited about it. But uh, to pick one as a favorite out of all those, uh, I'm really partial to Darlington. Way before I won the cup race there, I, I just had a feeling at that racetrack that I liked. I enjoyed the way that it's, it's not necessarily about racing the cars around you. It's it's 
about being smarter and, and trying to last all 500 laps or 500 miles, whatever it is, and, and see it through to the end without making a mistake because it, uh, you know, it can bite you at any point. So um, I've, I've really enjoyed that racetrack a lot. WXVW 1450, we are with Regan Smith right now. Regan, um, we, we have a local guy here by the name of Mr. Ben Rhodes. What's it been like uh, working with Ben on the track? Well, it's been good. Ben, uh, obviously, he's a young guy, and he's he's uh, you know getting his opportunity to to come out and race and and uh, you know prove prove that he's got a ton of talent. We are we already know he's got talent based on you know the past few years and and what he's been able to do in in different stock car series. And um, now, when you step up to this Xfinity level, it's uh, you know it's a whole new ball game because the the talent as you go up the ranks it, it remains stronger. It gets tougher. It gets tougher, and and everybody you know, at the cup and Xfinity levels for the most part of one other series and different things throughout their career. And, and, uh, you know, Ben's no different in that. So he's been, uh, he's been good to work with. He listens, he's a sponge. He really absorbs a lot of things. And, um, you know, I would say my relationship and his has actually grown a lot since he's been in the car. It's been easier for me early on in the year when he wasn't racing. It was, it was tough for me to really talk that much to him. He was really focusing on what the 88 car was doing. Um, and, and what the guys that were in that car were doing. And now, as he's been in the car some, and we've had a chance to sit in debriefs and, and talk after races and talk before races and things like that, um, it's, been, uh, it's been a lot easier for, for us to grow and me to get to know him better. And, uh, you know, he's a, he's a fun guy to be around, and uh, I'm sure he's going to be a, a, a force in, this, in, in racing in general for, for years to come. You're uh, fourth in points right now, 67 back of Chris Busher. Uh, we're about halfway through the season. Man, you got you got to remind me of that number. <laughs> it's it's part of my job, Regan. I'm sorry. It's part of my job. <laughs> Goodness, you you media you media types are all the same. So for the record, I was going to tell him to say you were first. I was gonna I was gonna make him have an update on that. Uh, <laughs> so, well, you, no, you could have just said you're fourth in points and you're you're only ten back. I would have been like, hell yeah, where's the other fifty seven go? <laughs> <laughs> so you're so you're fourth in points, sixty seven back uh, to Chris Busher, about halfway through the season. Uh, with with the obviously the Xfinity series not having the chase format, what is it going to take for you to grind those points away and and uh, get up and contend for that championship uh, late in the year? Well, we got to get back in a rhythm. We we left Dover three races ago, four races ago, whatever it was, and and I felt really good about where we were at. We you know we had a very realistic opportunity to win that race and the field mileage stuff didn't work out in our favor um we finished third there but we're racing kansas for the win or what we thought was the win until we found out those guys made it on field mileage afterwards and and i left there and you know chest puffed out and thought okay we got these guys right where we want them uh we've really been gelling nicely as a team we got good chemistry i got good chemistry with my crew chief jason burdett went to michigan the following week and and struggled to find speed struggled to find speed at michigan Struggled to find it at Chicago, which the mile and a half had been our bread and butter um, up until that point in the year. Chicago's not been a great racetrack for me, but uh, really, you know, thought we were going to be strong there still. And uh, we found it in the race, but unfortunately, it didn't stay with us. Our car got really tight, and we lost the handle on it at the end of the race and, and went from running for a top five finish to ending up 12th or 11th or wherever we did. So those two weeks really hurt us. And, and, you know, we got to get back to what we were doing before that. Before that, I felt like each week we were consistently a top five team and, and we're right there in the mix to get top fives if we didn't. And that's what we need to get back to. We're going to have to get a lot of top fives from here on out the rest of the season. 
we're going to have to get a couple wins to, to get back in the championship hunt. There's no doubt about that. Um, the speedways, the super speedways have, have undoubtedly hurt us this year. That was a strong suit for us last year. We finished first, second, and third in the three speedway races. And this year we really didn't have anything good to show from any of the three of them. Um, for whatever reason, just the brakes don't fall your way sometimes. And, and they did last year and they didn't this year. So, um, you know, we thought, we thought Daytona was going to be an opportunity to close in some points. We actually ended up losing a few points. And, and now we're going to have to go be perfect from, from here on out. And we've got a team that's capable of doing that and, and capable of being perfect. And, uh, you know, I'm going to have to, I'm, as a driver, I'm going to have to make no mistakes from, from now until Homestead. If we do that, we can get back into the mix and the points. And, and I know 67 sounds like a lot of points, but uh, you're talking to a guy that came into Kentucky three or two years ago with a 58-point lead over second place and uh, managed to lose that. So, I I know all too well that it's possible to lose it really quick, and we lost it over two races. So um, a lot of racing left to go here. If it's any consolation, I was in attendance and was sitting on the start-finish line when you won your race in 2014 at Daytona. So maybe you just need to have me there sitting on the start-finish line, and you'll win every time. <laughs> what's, uh, what's your plans this weekend? <laughs> I'll actually be at the race Friday night. Can you can you do me a favor? I'm going to tape a hundred dollar bill underneath one of those seats at the start finish line. Just go and take the entire race and walk around looking for it, and you'll be right there somewhere at the start finish line, and it'll be perfect. There you go. There you go. <laughs> now, now because we do our and if that happens, if, if if that does if that does work, and we go out there and win the race, and you're at the start finish line again, then. Uh, We'll, we'll have to be in, in communication here, and we'll figure out how to get you to some of the next ones, and uh, <laughs> and certainly make sure we got a seat for you available. I I can handle that if you if you do your part and you're there this weekend and, and we win the race, then uh, then I'll handle the rest of it. We'll know there's magic in the well, air. Well, we we can definitely make that happen. I mean, you know, we we got your PR guy. We'll definitely make that happen. We'll take care of that for sure. Now, be, there you go. There you go. I, I like it because we do because we do a great deal of homework in preparing for our guests on this show. I got onto your Twitter feed earlier, and I wanted to learn more about you because you know we we know we know a little bit about Regan Smith, the man and the driver, and I wanted to just delve into that a little bit more and put my hands into the dirt. And I came upon an interesting tweet that you put out, and it went something like this: You tweeted about qualifying not being the thing your thing on speedways, and going on to say that you have a fast car in race trim. You have a fast car, but in race trim. So what are you guys planning on doing to maybe help out with the upcoming qualifying and what lessons are you and your team taking from track to track? Well, that, that tweet was actually put out for, uh, for Daytona qualifying. I think I put that out right after we qualified the uh, 14th last week, 15th, something like that. And the Daytona qualifying with it being a single lap, it, it hasn't really suited our cars and our company quite as well as what we maybe had hoped that it would. And, and for whatever reason, there's some cars that really get up to speed quick and they get to where they need to be fast. And, and we just hadn't quite hit on that yet. So that, that tweet was put more just for the super speedways. When you, when you talk a place like Kentucky, um, we've qualified well at all those tracks this year and, and had speed and qualifying at those. So, um, you know, I don't know that we need to do a lot in, in the intermediate size racetracks and the short tracks. Um, we just have to, you know, obviously go out there and, and execute our plan and, and do things right and, and, and have the car set up well after practice, but but Daytona is a whole another beast, and I, uh, you know, I've, I've felt very good about how the speed that my car had in it for race trim. Uh, unfortunately for us, what happened in that race last week was the cars that qualified in the top ten really never shuffled out of the top ten. Once they got up there and started up there, 
they pretty much remained up there. The, the, when you look down to about 10 to go, whenever the wreck started happening, a lot of the guys that were up there were the guys that had qualified up there, and, and it had nothing to do with anything other than the passing was so difficult and the outside line didn't work that nobody could make moves to, to get where they wanted to be. And, and typically, I'd, you know, I'd be the first guy going through the middle and going to the top and going wherever I could to pass people, and it just every time you tried to make it happen, you might get almost all the way up to the front, and then boom, you know, something would happen. Somebody would pull out in front of you, and you'd lose all that ground that you made up. So uh, uh, certainly on the speedways, we can qualify better. It'll help us there on the super speedways. But uh, on the intermediate tracks like Kentucky, I, got, I feel like we got a pretty good package there for those. So I know you're a big Denver Broncos fan. So I would be remiss if I didn't uh, ask you this. What what do you think about the Broncos this season? And uh, do you think this might be Peyton's final hoorah? Whew. I got a mixed bag about the Broncos this season because uh, I do think it's if it's not his final hoorah, it's very close. And, and I know we've thought that every year. Um, Last year, I was disappointed to see him get injured, and, and anybody that follows him and watches the Broncos closely, they could tell something wasn't right. He, he really struggled in some games, in particular against the Bengals in that game when it was raining. Uh, a couple of throws that he made there, you could tell something was wrong. It's just not mistakes that Peyton would make. And Yeah, he's going to throw some interceptions because he's going to throw the ball a lot, but a couple of those were just, you know, they, they looked like ducks when they came out of his hand and, and just went, you know, lobbing right into the defender's hand. So, uh, I'm excited to see how he does this year. I'm a Peyton Manning fan. I have been, always will be. I think he's a good player for the game. I think he's a good role model. I think he's somebody you know that I can I can tell my kids to look up to and and not have to worry about him getting in any trouble or, or anything like that. So uh, I'm a big fan of his. And and uh, you know if he can if he can get back to 100, percent then I think they've got a team capable of making a run. Um, the defense, there's you know there's going to be a couple question marks over there, but but obviously bringing in uh, bringing in Gary Kubiak and and some of those new guys that they've brought in this year is going to be uh, it's going to be a new ball game to watch for uh, for Broncos fans. And, and one other thing I forgot to mention too that my co-host brought to my attention, we also share the same day. We were born on the same day in the same year. There we go. There we, well. Hey, happy early birthday to you. Then. <laughs> happy early 32nd birthday. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Happy early birthday to you. And, and I want you to know I'll also be at Indy as well. So if you win at Kentucky this week and then you win at Indy again in two weeks, you'll know it was because of me. So I just want you to know that. Well, and, and I'll tell you what, I will I will be sure to make uh, make a point, like I said, to, to get you to whatever races you want to come to from that point on out because then – there's going to be no denying it. I mean, the same birthday, the same age, the same everything. It's got to, there's got to be something more to it at that point. Absolutely. Well, Regan, it's been an absolute pleasure, buddy. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on board with us, and uh, I want to thank you for your time, and good luck this weekend, and uh, go beat the boss. Absolutely. We're looking forward to it, you guys, and uh, you know, a lot of great race fans up there. That's always uh, one of the best parts about coming to Kentucky is the, the passion of the fans and the crowds that we get there, and uh, – you know, we'll look forward to putting on a good show for each and every one of them. All right, Reagan, thanks a lot, and uh, appreciate your time. Thank you. All right, thank you, guys. And that, that uh, was Regan Smith, absolutely. Fourteen fifty a.m. The Sports Buzz, guys. How about that? That was pretty. Uh, crazy. That was pretty awesome. That was some good stuff there by Mr. Regan Smith. So with that, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I believe we got the man, the myth, the legend. I want five cents. I coined that. John Ashton. We'll be right back. Triple Threat Talk, 1450, the Sports Buzz, WXVW. Don't go anywhere.
Welcome back to WXVW, the Sports Buzz. This is 1450 AM. You are listening to Triple Threat Talk. This is Gary the Dr. Lockard as the Imagine Dragons are playing in the background. It's a good song. I like that song. It is. It's a very good it's song. A very good song. You know what else was good? What's that? That interview we just had with Regan Smith. Yes, and uh, if you missed it... Uh, Shame on you. Exactly, but you can listen to it. Yeah. Uh, you can listen to the show each and every week uh, starting tomorrow on livesportscaster.com. So if you miss anything of the show, you can go back and check it out and definitely feel free to do so. Awesome interview. Even tying in a little NFL football with the interview too, which was good. Football. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We do have another caller on we, the line. We do have, we have an old friend on the line. While we're waiting for John, uh, we – I wanted to get this guy on for a little bit more time than what we might have because we're we're going to be joined by John Ashton here in just a second. So, and I think actually he's calling in right now. But uh, we've got Paul Ween is calling in, and Paul is a very special man. Uh, in the course of our career, we've been blessed to know several people, John Ashton being one of them, uh, Paul being another. Paul used to be the press secretary for the great Mayor Giuliani of New York. And also, he's a first responder for 9-11. And uh, all, in addition, he's done work with South Park, the the actual animated show South Park. So this is kind of a big deal. Paul, are you there? Wow. I should hire you as my agent. <laughs> How are you doing, Paul? Like, seriously. <laughs> but I, I, right out of the gate. I just want to say, because I haven't called into the show since you guys started this show on 1450, um, I just want to say, I, I feel like a father whose son won the World Series. <laughs> I am so proud of you guys for doing getting this show. You guys deserve it from day one. When we spoke, I always said that your show, Triple Threat Talk, is amazing, and I am so glad, so glad, that a radio station, i.e. 1450, realized that. I am so proud of you guys, and I'm so happy for you, and I wish you nothing but the utmost success. Well, thank you, Paul. That's uh, very kind of you. We definitely appreciate those kind words. Yes, indeed. Thank uh, you, Paul. How, how have you been, my friend? How's things going? I know you had a big move. You're back home again. I know you're excited about that. I am sitting right now in my brand new apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Um, and the I, I won't go into a long story, but the craziest part, this very apartment that I'm sitting in right now, obviously I'm not going to give my address out. <laughs> I was born here. It's pretty nuts. Yeah, he was telling me the story the other That's day. That's crazy. How he, he was born in the I exact apartment they moved in. in this exact same apartment from when I was two weeks old to when I was three years old. And here I am coming full circle 40 years later. How crazy is that? That is pretty nuts. Hey, Paul, uh, can you do us a favor? 
Trevor's going to put you on hold. We're running a segment behind on the show right now, so we're going to get we're going to get Trevor to put you on hold, and we're going to move on to John. But we're going to be right back with you because there is some huge news in the world of professional wrestling. We're going to Brian Cannon and you on, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna sort through a couple things. All right. No problem. All right. Thanks, Paul. We're joined now by the man, the myth, the legend. People tell stories about this man. They do. They do. It's a I fact. Walk, I walk the aisles of the grocery store and I hear his name uh, numerous I, of times. Exactly. And it's mm-hmm. usually accompanied by, by women screaming towards him or away from him. More, more commonly away from him. I was going to say, more commonly away than towards. <laughs> John Ashton, how you doing tonight? Every once in a while, those stories are true. <laughs> I, I just also wanted to let you know that, that I'm sitting in an apartment right here in downtown Louisville that I've never been in before in my life. So, you know, Paul and I have a lot in common. There you go. There you, you go. Well, you, you, you're, you know that, Paul. That's, You've that's been a on cool story, Paul though. Yeah, just, you, just listening to that story, that's cool. Yeah, I like that. Especially in New York. I yeah, mean, you know, York, there's yeah. what, about 857 billion apartments he could have had. At least. It's this one. And, and it's that that's one. So cool. And it was picked out by his realtor, too. He was telling me the story. His realtor picked it out. His, his realtor picked wow. it out and said, you, you guys are living here if you're going to room with me. And it was the same exact apartment. But, uh, but John, Damn, we, cool. Rory McIlroy yeah. is a little down on his luck. Uh, he he got some he yeah. got some ligaments torn in his in his in his knee I think it was, um, you ankle know, in his ankle thank you in his ankle yeah. now we know for a fact that in, coming back from injury can be pretty tough, uh, given you know circumstances with Tiger Woods in his back and you know uh, we still don't know what's going to happen with uh, with the vertical with uh, with Dustin Johnson, um, J- Jason Day I'm sorry I don't know why I said Dustin Johnson Jason Day. Um, but um, you know, and Rory comes out on his Twitter and says he will, he's confirming he will be out for the Open. What kind of timetable does something like this usually take in, in the world of golf? Given to play on the competitive set that he is, he's still, I believe, ranked number one in the world. So, what, what kind of timetable is he looking at? You know. I was I was really absent um, that day in medical school to to realize exactly how long it takes for for that type of an injury to heal. Um, but it's you know it, it's going to be nagging for a while because you know the heel is something. Oh well, you know you, you use it in soccer, but what, what are you use it for in golf uh, to to play correctly? That is going to hurt for a while. And, and, you know, you get an, an injury like that, man, and, you know, the the humidity levels go up and the temperatures go down and it's going to start to ache. It's going to be a while. He's going to feel it for a while. I would I would be willing to say it's going to be a nagging, maybe not a debilitating injury for a while, but it's going to be nagging for quite a while. May or may not actually have any effect on him. It depends. I think psychologically, the, the bad mouth that he got on Fox News a couple of days ago might hurt him more than his ankle does. So in saying that, John, uh, with the you know the recovery of the injury being different depending on the person, you know some injuries are healed faster than others depending on the the workout regimen and the rehab regimen. How much yeah. uh, will this play into? Will he, you think he'll be out for the remainder of the golf season? Will we not see him till twenty sixteen, or do you think he'll be back before seasons uh, seasons end? I think he'll be back before seasons end. Personal—that's my personal, you know, opinion on just just 
how I, I kind of rate his, um, his ethic, work ethic, and, and the fact that he likes being number one and not playing is going to open that door to Jordan Spieth without being able to do any, anything about it. But then again, there's, uh, that the nagging, I would think, thought in the back of his head about Tiger. Tiger tried to come back too early, and, and it took him an extra three years to, to shoot around under par. So, you know, you have to weigh the pros and the cons. But, again, I, I really, again, you know, in orthopedic class, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> but I, I really don't think that, that Rory's injury is anywhere near as serious or potentially debilitating as was Tiger's so, so in saying that, how does uh, this injury with him missing the Open, what does this do to the Open as itself? Does it really not have that much of an effect on it? Or him not being there and playing in the tournament, will that have an effect on the Open Championship? It's going gonna, it's gonna to reduce one of the big storylines, which would have been, you know, Rory versus Jordan, you know, the two young guns, one, one trying to continue a quest for the Grand Slam for the first time in low these many years, and and, you know, Rory trying to defend his number one position. I mean, you know, big storyline that the network's going to played up forever. Um, that won't be around. But as far as interest in it or competitive nature of the Open, I don't think it'll have anything to do with it whatsoever. Now, John, uh, the big story, I want to move on to the big story in golf today, and that is the Rory McIlroy is a big story, but in my opinion... Uh, and I'm not sure if you'd agree or not, but you and I talked about a story a little bit earlier today off-air um, with the whole Donald Trump situation and and <laughs> yeah. his, uh, his his course being yeah. pulled from uh, uh, from from the rotation in Los Angeles, um, tell us a little bit about that. Now I know I know f- that he had made the statement that they'd already paid him in advance for the deposit, and he's not going to be giving it back. But the 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 on right. the 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 story on air is, like spinning is that this was a a mutual parting because of his comments about what he said um regarding the fusion report on immigration from mexico how how much of that yeah. how much yeah. of that is spin that they that they mutually agreed to do this <laughs> uh, you know p g a s um really growing the Latin American tour, so they have to be careful about offending uh, Hispanic people um, who who seemed to be terrifically offended by what the Donald said. Um, the Donald is not the most careful uh, orator in the world. <laughs> here, here. He has a tendency to shoot from the hip. Uh, you know, whether, whether or not what he said is true or not true or could be true is, is a discussion for a political show, not us. The way he said it was awkward and clumsy, and he ticked people off. Um, but to what Donald said was the, the PGA event that's being taken away from the uh, L.A. course right now is, is basically a, a, a public relations event for the PGA. It wasn't a PGA Tour event. It was a PGA of America event. They already gave him a large deposit to play the, the, um, the day there. And, and as he said, he said, hey, I'm keeping their deposit. I'll open it up and let other people play there, and I'll make twice as much money. Who cares? You know? I mean, you know, it's you, know how, of, you know how New York is, now, right? That's right. That's right. We got one on hold right now. <laughs> we know how those New right. Yorkers are. Um, it, you know, one of the things that one of the things is about this, and you're right, it is for a political show. 
But, you know, it, it is one of those things that, you know, you said it best. He's not exactly the best orator. It's it's not exactly what he said that's making – I think it's not – his overall message is not, I don't think, what's making people mad. I think it's how he said it. I think you're you're 100% on when, when, when you point that out. But, you know, that Fusion report comes out, and, of course – you know, Univision, who owns Fusion, also pulled Trump's also pulled Trump's Miss America pageant, and and now Trump is suing them. Yeah, yeah, Miss Universe. Yeah, um, is suing suing Donald Trump, or he's he's suing them over this whole debacle. Yeah. So right now, Trump just can't keep his hands out of anything. It appears. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and then and then Trump does the 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 non politician thing where he says, "I don't care if it hurts my business. I'm here to save my country." Right. I mean, like, oh, God. Okay. Um, but again, with, with the golf thing, you know, the PGA Tour plays at Doral every year. They haven't made any noises. They're, I'm sure they're hoping that this all goes away long before next season when that tournament comes up. Uh, the LPGA is playing this weekend, I believe it is, either this, yeah, I believe it's this weekend, uh, at a Trump property in New Jersey. And you know, there's no way, even if even if they needed to, wanted to, insisted on it, there's no way logistically they could move that tournament now. Because, I mean, it starts tomorrow. So, you know, that's that's not a, a possibility. Um, ESPN also pulled a, a golf outing they had from one of Trump's properties. So, I mean, the, the one-day deals, you know, the, the basic scramble-type things, just on a much larger scale, yeah, PGA of America is not doing it. And ESPN is not doing it, but the PGA Tour has been uh, suspicious by their silence. They haven't reacted at all to any of this uh, Donald Trump flap. And, and, and it very and well that could be, that, be that would be a long that would be a long term pain if if the PGA Tour said we're not going to play, you know, in Miami at Doral anymore. That would be bad for Trump. And, and that that also right could now, be the PGA refusing to give in to a knee-jerk reaction, kind of seeing, uh, once again, how you said it a second ago, once again, trying to kind of weigh it out and see what's going to be what's going to be said. So moving on from that, John, a question involving the uh, U.S. Women's Open coming up. Uh, what do you think yeah. the, the uh, chances of Michelle Wee uh, repeating and defending her crown as the U.S. Women's Champion, or do you look and they'll think that there'll be another woman there to dethrone her and take away that title? I think there'll probably be another one, um, but there's you know there's some flaps going on there too. You hear about the uh, the caddy, um, Korean woman's caddy. The, I forget her name, Sue C something. Um, he basically started taking pictures of of uh, the the course layout on paper. He was in a tent and saw the USGA notes on where the tees were going to be and the holes were going to be and how the course was going to be set up, and he started snapping pictures with his phone. Because that's the and smart they, thing to uh, do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then go around and tell your player, hey, look what I got. Uh, no, <laughs> look at this Look at this handy-dandy information I was able to pull. <laughs> yeah, so he's been suspended for that, and, and she was one of the favorites, but she'll be playing with a you know, a new caddy. So I don't know. I, I Michelle Wee has not been exciting me much with with uh, with her play this year. And I'm not one of those that believes it's just because you won it last year, you're you should have the inside uh, 
the inside line to win it this year because you know I know I know all that while well, the course suits my eye and I feel good and comfortable and I don't have the pressure because I've done this before and all that but I think uh, whether or not you have the potential to win this week depends on more how you played the last few weeks and how you played a whole year ago. John, we want to thank you very much for joining us tonight, taking some time out of your busy schedule. You can catch John here Sundays at 12 o'clock on those weekend golf guys right here at 1450 a.m. John, you are indeed the, the, you are the embodiment of the, of the term I have coined you, the man, the myth, the legend. And uh, you, you have yourself a blessed great. evening. Yeah. <laughs> you too, guys, and 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 uh, let me let me just uh, repeat Paul's kudos on the show, man. Doing a good job, man. Glad Thank, to have you around. Thanks, John. Thank appreciate, appreciate it, bud. Really appreciate it. When we come back, final segment here on Triple Threat Talk, we're going to be joined by OVW Mania Blogspot.com owner and writer Brian Cannon. We're also going to hear some thoughts from our friend who's holding patiently for us, one Mister Paul Ween. Coming up, fourteen fifty a.m. The Sports Buzz. We are rocking out to Chris Jericho's theme music because, you know, it's a slow summer day. There's not a lot going on, so OVW is making headlines around the nation, around the world, really, because it is the premier indie promotion, and it is right here in town, helmed by one Mr. Danny Davis. And uh, what better people to help us with with this whole situation that's going on? Basically, before I bring in our guest right now, uh, OVW is kind of at a at a stalemate. We're trying to separate fact from fiction, whether or not Danny Davis actually sold to Jeff Jarrett, or if this is all storyline. I tend to be on this is storyline, but for some reason, this is really picking up steam like no other professional wrestling story I've ever heard. It's a term you're looking for is kayfabe, by the uh, way. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. It's kayfabe. But, you know, it, it's one of those things. We don't like that word, though. That's a bad word on this station. Mainly because no one knows how to pronounce it it's properly. Right. <laughs> but we are joined once again by our friend Paul and the writer from OVW. Well, Mania. Paul, Paul, we got to get back. We lost Paul for oh, a second. We did we, lose Paul. We got okay. 50% of your uh, We got 50% inventory. of the inventory there. Yeah. Welcome, one Mr. OVW Mania, blogspot.com writer you know, and guru, Brian Cannon. Before he talks, you hey, know, we, 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 we talk about John being the man, the myth, the legend. Mm-hmm. You know, we have Brian on here every week. What, what kind of cool nickname can we give Brian? A pain in my neck. What? Why would you say that? <laughs> but, uh, Brian, g- give us the scoop, man. What is going on with OVW? All right, so they they just went right into it tonight. There wasn't even any like dark matches to start the show. They just had everybody come out to the ring, referees and wrestlers and uh, all that. Danny Davis came out and said uh, he was going to try not to be emotional, and everybody was ch- chanting, thank you, Danny. Um, and he said, no, thank you, because it's been my life for the last 22 years. And he said that he supposedly had an offer from a certain female in the seven digits range um, who wanted to buy, uh, you know, majority ownership in OVW. And he said, you can call. And I think we've did, lost did, Brian did we lose here. Brian? I think we did lose Brian. Yeah, we might have a problem with the double phone because I went to put Paul in and it dropped Brian. Okay. So, okay. Uh, Bri- Brian, if you're listening, please call me back, and uh, here comes Paul. 
Well, while we're getting that jumped out, we're apparently we can't do this. Back in the day when we were on Blog Talk Radio, we used to have a panel that we could do like 50 people if we wanted. It was crazy. It was nuts. And well, sometimes I've got six lines over yeah, here. We, I just yeah. I'm having some, for some reason it keeps cutting it off. Unfortunately, no, it, it doesn't it, want us to have it, a it massive talk a, about professional yeah, wrestling. I mean, That's all on. it is. That's all it this is. This is ridiculous. It's a conspiracy theory. <laughs> it's a conspiracy. Just like how to pronounce kayfabe. Uh, Paul, we want to get you back on. We're going to get Brian here. So we're going to do, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to do five minutes with you, Paul, and then we're going to do five minutes with Brian, okay? Is that fair? Okay. All right. So, so Brian, all right, so Paul, um, thank you for holding throughout the break, um, and thank you for your kind words, absolutely. What have you been able to take away from the Danny Davis situation going on in OVW right now? Well, two parts there. One, I think that, you know, selling it was, was kind of a shock. But the fact that he did, you know, I mean, uh, you know, when is, here's the thing, when is the last time you saw Danny Davis on television? So I think, in my opinion, he played the game of life. You know, the, where you spin the wheel and you move your little piece. <laughs> hey, he got his money. He's out. He's good. So That's it. So you think then, uh, Paul, by saying that, are you saying that this, in fact, is not a storyline, a.k.a. kayfabed? You think this is the real mm-hmm. McCoy? I don't think I know. You know, so, you, you know, I, hey, good thing. for him. I mean, he got his money. He he can, I mean, I always said that my ultimate fantasy is the words, you never have to worry about money again for the rest of your life. And that's what Danny Davis got. So, you know what? God bless him. I think that's great. All right, so so you're so you're saying you know take the payday and we we're not gonna we're not gonna blame him either way and you know what if you know Brian was saying before he got caught off when we couldn't cross the lines, um, Brian was saying how this is like certain, Ghostbusters over here don't don't cross <laughs> don't the cross streams. the streams yeah, those bad things happen. <laughs> Hey, don't cross the streams. Exactly. Egon, but think I'm sorry. About I it. thought you said crossing the streams was bad. <laughs> yeah, right. But think think about this. How many times, you know, like people have said this, when WCW was bought by Vince McMahon, he wanted to do the whole invasion angle. And it flopped because only the, with all due respect to them, the mid-card guys came in. Like Hogan, Savage, Luger, Sting, Flair, Hall, Nash. None of them came in. They were just like, I'm just going to sit home and collect my money. If all of them came in at during the quote-unquote invasion it would have been much more successful. That's why it flopped. So you know what? You sell OVW, you sit home, you collect guaranteed money, have a nice day. That's a pretty good way of putting it. Um, 
Paul, we do have Brian on the other end. We've got seven minutes left in the show, so I'm do yep. we do have hey, to Brian, switch over. No, we, we we have to switch over to Brian because of the phone system going on right now at the station. So we're gonna have to hang up with you, but I do want you to listen. But I'm not gonna get you off here without saying, for those of you all who have nothing to do tomorrow night, and for those of you all who are out there, and we know there are several wrestling fans because we still we get mail and stuff like that saying how we they thought it was pretty cool that we were talking wrestling. Um, you know, you can check out Paul Paul's show. You never know who's going to stop by on Paul's show. He's had Hulk Hogan on. Uh, you've had um, Duke uh, Duke the Dumpster on. You've had um, you've had a lot of Jim Cornette's been on your show. You've had a lot of people on your show, and the show is called Fever Keeps It Real, and that is on Blog Talk Radio. Paul, thank you for taking time out of your schedule today. I know you're moving into your new apartment. We're going to switch over to Brian now. Paul, you have a great night. All right. You too, but may I just say real quick, yeah. um, the show tomorrow night is from 6 to 9 p.m. Okay. Eastern Standard Time, and the call-in number is 818-369-1406. Again, very proud of you guys, very honored to be on your show. Have a great show, and I will speak to you during the week. Thanks, Paul. We really appreciate it, bud. Thank you, Paul. And with that, we're going to bring our buddy uh, Brian Cannon back on. Brian, are you there with us? Yeah, how's that for a cliffhanger? That was, that was I know, great. right? <laughs> so, the last thing we heard was seven seven figure digit from a female and blank. So go go ahead and fill us in about what's going on. Okay, so it, he didn't take that offer, and he ended up bringing out who he did sell fifty one percent majority ownership to, and it was none other than his longtime friend and longtime OVW announcer Dean Hill. Whoa. <laughs> Dean immediately came in and started uh, making matches for tonight. We actually had returns from several current uh, big superstars from other promotions. Uh, Rebel came back and beat Jesse Bell from uh, Rebel, of course, being from TNA. Uh, the Pope Elijah Burke started off on commentary tonight with Gilbert Corsi, um, which you know he's been doing uh, announcing for Impact, uh, and he actually had a segment with Marcus Anthony tonight. Uh, Dylan Bostic came back tonight and uh, beat Adam Revolver. And then the big main event is he set up the current uh, tag team champions, the War Machine, Big John and Eric Walker, against uh, Adam Wilde and Mitch Huff. Mitch Huff was taken out immediately by a steel chair before the match even started. So Adam Wilde was out there fighting by himself and was actually staying in it. And his longtime partner before Mitch Huff, uh, Robbie Walker returned, who's been injured for the last four months, uh, and came in, um, started firing away, got the super kick on Walker, and we now have new OVW Southern Tag Team Champions in primetime Robbie Walker and the standout Adam Wild. So, so Brian, I got to ask you, we're just gonna we're just gonna cut we're just gonna cut the funk, and we're gonna we're gonna go right to it. Is are are you on Team Kayfabe or Team No Kayfabe for this for this story angle? Uh, yeah, the story, totally. Okay, that's what um, I'm thinking. Yeah, I mean, well, it's, it's one of those things, too, and I know, I guess you still could, even if you don't have majority ownership in your company anymore, but, you know, Danny Davis is still fighting. Uh, there's a match announced for, they've got a show in E-Town on, I think, the 18th, where he's teaming up with Trailer Park Trash and another, you know, old superstar in Bill Dundee to take on Randy Royal, Vic the Bruiser, and Jason Lee. So, I mean, considering he's still around, I don't think he's totally gone anyway, even if he, whether he did sell it or not, but I still think this is all part of the current story they're going with. 
I do too. I think eventually there's going to be a match between he and Dean Hill. Dean Hill's going to somehow go heel and, <laughs> and Dean Hill go Dean heel. Hill, really? Dean, Dean Hill go heel. He'll go heel. heel. Uh, and I think they'll they'll fight for two percent of the company, and it'll does, be. Does that mean Gilbert Corsi could be the special guest referee? <laughs> but you know, a funny a funny aspect though, a funny thing that did happen with Elijah Burke on one of those Ghost Hunter shows. He got spooked out. You will never see a man run faster in your entire life than what he did. He was, oh, my God, and just ran out of there. Absolutely. Now, we professional wrestling, not something we spend a whole lot of time on, but on those slow summer nights, especially with big news, I mean, this was top story. Absolutely. A lot. Of, it, it shook yeah. the Internet it, dirt sites, it, it for sure. It pretty much broke the Internet yesterday. Yes, it did, because everybody's like, wow, like, really? Trending number one topic throughout all of yesterday, pretty much, on Twitter was OVW. So that's when it's okay to talk professional wrestling is when it's the number one twin trend on Twitter. Absolutely. And, Brian, uh, we appreciate you stopping by, bud. I want to thank you for stopping by. If you want to check out any of Brian's work, feel free to do so at ovwmania.blogspot.com, and he'll keep you up to date with all the news that is the news, OVW, uh, going forward. Brian, appreciate you stopping by, bud. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank right. you, Brian. Now, this week we didn't get to get a whole lot of your calls, and we do apologize for that. Next week, though, we're going to make a lot more time for you all, the callers and the listeners, because it is because of you we are on the air. We are here for you all. So next week we're going to be uh, we're going to be we're going to be opening up our lines a little bit, and we're going to have some fresh giveaways for you next week. So uh, once again, we, we do apologize. We, we were rather guest heavy, yeah, but it's okay. Get, I mean, definitely we, we, we were rolling. Heavy. I mean, we had John Ashton, we had Paul. We had Brian, <laughs> and of course we had uh, Regan, Regan Smith, Smith as well, so, so good stuff there. So that wraps it up uh, for this week's show here on Triple Threat Talk. I want to thank everybody, TK, Trevor, Kelsey, Main and the Boards back there. Appreciate it, TK. To the doc, Gary Lockard, my Hello. partner in crime. <laughs> to all the guests, especially one Mr. Regan Smith taking time out. Good luck to him at Kentucky Speedway. And to all the fine folks listening out there in Radio Land, we appreciate you tuning in as well. So for the Doc, Gary Lockard, I am Postmaster Jones, Jimmy Biggers, saying stay tuned till next week when we return with another fine episode of Triple Threat Talk. Good night, everybody.